The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. Thrilled to be here on a Saturday night recap of the divisional round, the most exciting weekend in sports. And we have complete and total chaos unfolding. Joining me as always, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner, McGuff, and John Breach. We will get to the second game first because it is a doozy. The Tennessee Titans stroll into Baltimore against the best team in football, one of the all-time great regular season teams. Lamar Jackson, almost a lock to be a perhaps unanimous MVP, but probably something like 47 out of 50 if Bill Polian has a vote. He'll be the MVP once things are all said and done, but he will not be playing in the Super Bowl. He'll be at the NFL Honors accepting it. He won't be playing in the game because he lost to the Tennessee Titans. Few people saw this coming, but I'll tell you one guy who did. John Breach, Nashville resident and picker of the Titans as massive underdogs in back-to-back games. We appeared on a video. I made fun of you. You called me crazy, and you nailed it, Breach. And I got to ask you, before you pat yourself on the back and do whatever weird stuff you do to celebrate this that I can't say on the podcast, um, did you really think it was happening? Well, let me just say that I am absolutely going to turn the first half of this podcast into a victory lap. Three cheers for me. Hip, hip, hurrah. Hip, hip, hurrah. Hip, hip, hurrah. You say hurrah. Isn't it hooray? It's even weirder than Jaguars. That's what we say in Nashville. Sorry that you wouldn't know because you didn't pick the Titans to win. Hip, hip, Uh, snorfu. Hip, hip, snorfu. Hey, let him him have it. He can say what he wants. You want Go ahead, Tony. Exactly. And, Brinson, you know what? Here's the thing is that I did think it was going to be a close game. To me, it was a 50-50 game. And in a 50-50 game, I'm going to go with the underdog because I do feel like that once you get a lead, once you have that edge of confidence, like you're rolling. Because, you know, at the end of the first quarter, the Titans knew they could play with the Ravens. And you felt that. You might not have known that they were going to win at the end of the first quarter. But it was, hey, this is going to be a close game. The Ravens aren't just going to run up and down the field and I'm going to say the three reasons real quick why I did pick Tennessee and why I did feel pretty confident because I don't think anyone else even thought this was going to be a 50-50 game before you get there okay there was somebody else who thought this might be a close game (laughs) you want to know who it was Mike Vrabel no Pete Briscoe oh awful in the playoffs last year that this is an entirely different team obviously but again it's a playoff game 
we got to see what he can do in a playoff game. I think he's going to be fine, but we got to see what he can do. I think Dean Pease will have a special plan for him this week. And uh, I went back and watched the 2012 Super Bowl when Dean Pease was the defensive coordinator of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and they played Colin Kaepernick and Greg Roman in that Great. offense. And so that was uh, Prisco on Friday's podcast. If you listen to it, he, that was his explanation. And you have to go back. I don't want to play the whole freaking explanation. But he um, basically thought he questioned Lamar, and he thought Dean Pease might have a special plan for him. And he was right, Breach. Anyway, on to you, Ryan. By the way, Ryan, how you doing? Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to listen to Breach gloat. No, he, no, he no, never... I can't handle the seven minutes. We're into he, seven minutes of the this podcast. This is about Andy Dalton. This is about actually winners. I know. How are you doing, Sean? Yeah, I won't bring up that Andy Dalton has as many playoff wins as Lamar Jackson. I'll hold oh. that for later. <laughs> Hello, Brinson. I just want to point out, I'll let Breach take his victory lap, but I did say the Titans would keep this very close in my picks. Okay. Um, I picked the Titans against the spread, too. Then I bet on the Ravens like a dumb dumb. Uh, but I, uh, I don't know. Um, the, uh, yeah, I just don't like to get seven minutes in and we haven't said hi to two hours. Let me put it, let me ask you a question. If this were the Chargers and Philip Rivers had just done this to the Ravens, what would you be doing right now? Well, he did it last year, so you just go back and listen. None of us that. would have talked for the first ten minutes. And he'd be shirtless at this point. We see a bunch of hairy, hairy chest all over. His screen. doll in his hand. Taking Reach. shots so, at Tequila. Reach. Give us your reasons why you thought this would happen and whether or not they played out. Because, honestly, like the way that I think – even talking about it on Sportsline, I said if the Titans can get a lead, they can run downhill. Like, it, it did play out that way. Yeah, okay, so I thought Prisco's point was played into the larger part where you had Dean Peace was the Ravens' defensive coordinator. Greg Roman was the 49ers' offensive coordinator in that Super Bowl. So, And that's Greg Roman is the Ravens' offensive coordinator. Dean Peace is the defense of coordinator for the Titans. So you had that matchup again, and Dean Peace got the better of Greg Roman that Super Bowl. So he knows how to attack kind of you that. Know, this off- is a, you know, this is a review podcast. We were discussing what happened, not what you think will happen in the game that already ended. Right, and now I'm going to this. So number one, I remember a month ago, Ryan joked about how the Ravens were about to play the Bengals, and Andy Dalton was playing Lamar Jackson on the scout team. That's literally the dumbest thing ever. That doesn't help anyone. Well, the Titans had Marcus Mariota. He's not as athletic as Lamar Jackson, but that is someone who can give you a great look doing what Lamar Jackson does, which gives you a good week of preparation for the defense. That's not something that any other team in the NFL could have. So that is where having Mariota as your backup quarterback was huge. Number two, I thought that Mike Vrabel being the head coach played eight years under Belichick. I would not be surprised if Mike Vrabel called Bill Belichick at some point this week and said, hey, look, I saw you get your ass kicked earlier in the season by Lamar. What do you think we can do to kind of do this? I got Dean Pease here. He knows what he's doing. Maybe you help us uh, develop a few little nuggets that, that Lamar won't see coming. And then number three is just you can't game plan against Derrick Henry. I mean, we saw Bill Belichick. He's the smartest defensive coach in NFL history. He could not figure out how to stop Derrick Henry. It is one of those things where he, he's a truck. Once he gets going, and Earl Thomas was like making fun of the Patriots for the fact they couldn't tackle him. And then Earl Thomas got stiffed arm out of the universe uh, in the first half. So there is no game plan for Derrick Henry. Either you can tackle him or you can't. And you can tell pretty early whether teams are going to be able to tackle him. And by the end of the second quarter, you knew the Ravens weren't going to be able to tackle him. So those three things uh, were the things I was looking for going into this game. That I thought the Titans would be way better prepared than other teams and, and that why this would be close. And I did not think in my wildest dreams that this would be a blowout. But like I said, I did think that they would be able to win this. Well, the Tennessee, the, the Baltimore Ravens, this just needs to be noted. And I like this is going to be a hard one to figure out from the box score in 10 years or 20 years. 
Um, if you, you know, you don't, didn't watch the game, you're just like, huh, like what happened in this divisional game? Because the Ravens had 29 first downs. They ran 92 offensive plays. They finished with 530 total yards. Lamar Jackson passed for 365 yards and ran for 143 yards and they scored 12 points. As I pointed out, he had 59 passing attempts. That actually, I think, would be sort of a giveaway to, like, maybe this didn't go the way they wanted it to if Lamar Jackson throwing it 59 times. Um, but as I noted on Twitter, the Ravens had drives that ended at the Titans 36, Titans 31, Titans 4, Titans 18, Titans 31, Titans 15, Titans 16, Titans 21, and they came away with 12 points. Now, three of those at the end were garbage time, Ryan. But the the Ravens got manhandled on fourth and short, and they couldn't really get their run game going. So, um, John, nope, you've had your time. So nope. quick. Eh, nope. Uh-uh. You got to wait. You talked about Andy Dalton. I just take back everything. Like, oh. so, <laughs> All right. Sorry. So, and I was going to even ask you a question, but you put your finger up to say something. Said so, nope, forget it. So, uh, for instance, to, to follow up on your point, in, during the season, the Ravens were eight for eight on fourth down, zero oh for three on Saturday night. They only went uh, for eight. Yeah. Hmm. According to the CBS stats crew, okay. eight for eight on fourth down. They, four they went for like four against the Steelers, and they definitely didn't get all. They can't, it's, that's not right. It might be eight, eight for eight on fourth and one. It was on okay, fourth and that, one. There, there we go. There we go. Okay. I'll so say, there's no way that's right. The, the point is they were 0 for 2 on fourth and one tonight and 0 for 3 overall on fourth down. That was a huge issue to, to your point about why the drives ended early. Lamar looked rusty, and that was part of the issue coming in. Will he be rusty? And I was like, if he's rusty, he'll be rusty for a quarter, and it'll, it'll work itself out. Do you, do you, that was going to be my, one of my follow up questions. Do you think that the Lamar Jackson not playing for three weeks? caused the Ravens to start out slow. No, because they had six drops by the time it was all said and done. That first interception by Mark Andrews, who had an ankle injury, he should have caught that ball. Second interception was a bad interception. The fumble was a, st- a strip sack on a great play by Jarrell Casey. Um, Lamar Jackson wasn't on point, but he was running the ball as well as he usually does. He was incredibly hard to tackle. Um, but as uh, Breach pointed out, Derrick Henry was a big issue. Here's a fun fact. Um, I'll just have you guess. Um, Sean, because you were tra- traveling back from the 49ers game. Uh, what do you think Tannehill's throwing line was in the second half? The stat line. Oh, Jesus. No, no, just, don't look. Just guess, yeah. Three of six for 42 yards. Close. One for four for nine yards. <laughs> that was it. That's all he did. He had a couple of runs around the end. He uh, made a nice little play, got four in the back of the head by Earl Thomas to, to convert a first down, I believe. He did his damage, quote-unquote, as much as it was in the first half, and the rest was just Derrick Henry in that defense. And here's the thing. A lot of times you see that stat line, Brenton, you're talking he, about. He has the 160 passing yards in the playoffs. 15 completions. <laughs> Let me say this, though. He is not a liability. He is playing at a pretty high level for a guy who throws the ball 15 times in two games or whatever it is. He is not like uh, how the Steelers had to work around Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. He is actually part of the solution. It's just that Derrick Henry is playing high school football, and he looks like Thor. And he's just dragging guys up and down the field. They have no answers. Another thing we thought was going to happen is like, oh, yeah, the Patriots defense is really good, but the Ravens defense has gotten better each and every week, and they're going to show up. And Lamar Jackson, there's no way you can score 12 points and win. Well, they could have scored 13 points and won this game. They ended up with 28 Um I can't, I don't know off the top of my head how many were the results of turnovers. At least two touchdowns were, I believe. But, um, there was a lot of, and here's the other thing I'll say. 
So I feel like Vrabel could play literally anywhere. He could play in Antarctica. They could play buck naked in Antarctica. They could play the equator wearing fur coats. I feel like it wouldn't matter just because he is so much better prepared mentally, I feel like, than their opponents. We saw John Harbaugh. He seemed flustered for the first time all year because that team hasn't really struggled at all. And um, finally, I'll just say that uh, this is the exact reason the Steelers shouldn't have been the number six seed because they would have put up no competition for anyone. They would have gone to New England, gotten roadhoused, and then um, the Patriots, by the way, are probably not happy they lost that game last week at the Titans. Um, the Ravens are out now, but the Titans had something to do with it. But if the Ravens, if the Patriots found a way to win and the Ravens were knocked out, that would solve all their problems in terms of, of trying to make it back to the Super Bowl. Okay, that's a weird what if, and I'm not sure how that plays out, but we'll, we'll run with it. Uh, just some stats on Derrick Henry. Cause look, what, this is why it is, it is wild that Derrick Henry and the Titans, I mean, again, Ryan Tannehill has 160 passing yards in the playoffs. Um, he joins Terry Bradshaw as the only two players in the Super Bowl era to win consecutive playoff games with one passing touchdown or in fewer than 100 passing yards. Bradshaw did it in the 1974 AFC Championship game and the uh, Super Bowl nine, which was the first of his. Like, the two years before that, the Dolphins did it in 72 and 73. Those, what do you mean? Those on the telecast had back to back games of fewer than 100 passing yards. Right, so not, only three teams have done it ever, and all three of them won the Super Bowl. Right, right. But, but Tannehill is the only guy with back to back games. Right? You see what I'm saying? Like Tannehill and Bradshaw are the only two people with back to back games. Okay, adding okay. The, the Dolphins stat is a nice add on. Um, thank you for that. That is very helpful. The uh, But before we get to. Before we talk about Derrick Henry, we got to introduce him properly, right? The NFL rush leader. Anybody got a problem with that? Come see me. We'll be about that. Big trust. Woo woo. King Henry in the flesh. Woo woo. That was Tajay Sharp mocking the Ravens with a big trust. Woo woo. Talking about Derrick Henry as he introduced him. And as I mentioned, Derrick Henry stats. He has 561 rushing yards in his playoff career, the most by a player in his first four games in the Super Bowl era. He is averaging 188.5 rushing yards per game in the 2019 playoffs. Again, 188.5, the most by a player in a single postseason in the Super Bowl era, minimum two games. Um, the other four people in the top five are in the Hall of Fame. And this is insane. This is from Next Gen Stats. Derrick Henry finished this game against the Ravens with 124 rushing yards on plays where the Ravens had eight-plus defenders in the box. That is bananas, man. He ran 19 times for 124 yards against eight men in the box. They maxed out the box. They stacked it completely. We're like, come on, Derrick Henry. We're stopping you. And he just plowed through them. The Titans can win the Super Bowl like this. Well, so here's what I was going to say. So you look at the teams that are remaining and how they stack up against the run. Because we highlighted coming into this game how the Ravens' defense was was actually really good by the end of the season. But they were 19th against the run by DVOA. So that was a weakness, we thought. That's why we're saying if, the, if they can score first and they can actually run it and don't have to throw the ball to keep up, they have a shot in this game. So they're going to play either Kansas City or Houston um, next week. Kansas City, 29th against the run. Houston, 22nd against the run. They make it past them. They're going to play the Seahawks, Packers, or 49ers. Uh, Seahawks, 26th against the run. 
Packers, 23rd against the run. Uh, the Niners are 11th against the run. They're pretty good. But you're right. This is actually kind of stacking up where most of these teams outside of the 49ers can be exploited on the ground. Um, and look, they just they tore up the Patriots on the ground a week ago, and the Patriots are good against the run. So this is a team that absolutely can go in the Super Bowl run if, and this is the biggest, and it sounds obvious whenever we say it, it almost feels like they have to be playing from ahead. But if they get off to those hot starts, I don't know how you stop Derrick Henry. Breach, do you regret well, not picking the Titans to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs started? Uh, I do not because I still don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl as the guy who's 2-0 picking their games. I, I'll tell you in a second what I, where I think they'll fall. But I will say that the, that was one thing I looked at. Well, with Sean talking about uh, the Ravens and the it's Patriots against the run, is that one thing the Patriots and the Ravens, the Ravens were fifth. As far as yards per game allowed this season, fewest yards per game. The Patriots were sixth as far as fewest yards per game. But but if you looked a little further, uh, the Patriots were giving up 4.2 yards per carry this season, which is a huge number when you're going up against someone like Derrick Henry. Because if he gets 4.2 yards, which he ended up averaging more than five yards, and the Ravens were even worse. They were giving up 4.4 yards per carry. And with the Ravens, they were playing ahead so often that teams just weren't running on them. So they just never really got tested on the ground. I mean, we saw Nick Chubb go wild in one game. Uh, we saw the Chiefs put up some rushing yards on him in both those losses. Uh, and one other thing about Derrick Henry is when you add in the 195 yards he had in this game, he now has 1,273 yards in his last eight games. If that were to average out over the course of a 16-game season, that would be 2,000 546 yards. The NFL rec single season record is 2105. So that's, he literally would be on pace to beat that by 400 yards. That's how insane he's been over the past eight weeks. So where are the Titans going to fall? I think the Titans will either, if they play the Chiefs next week, I think if they you, lose. If you're about to say the Titans are either going to lose to the Chiefs or in the Super Bowl, I'm going to drive to Nashville and punch you because there's only two games left in the season. Well, no, I think if they play the Chiefs next week, I think they lose. If they play the Texans next week, I think they win. I think they would struggle against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I think they would probably beat the Packers or the Seahawks. So I, I think, think we'll, that is there. there is a path to a Super Bowl title for them, but it's not against the Chiefs and it's not against the 49ers. I mean, by the way, if and look, the we just saw the Titans beat the Ravens and the Texans beat the Chiefs in the regular season. Well, that game is you know to, to tonight this or this afternoon if you're listening to the podcast. Um, we'll know. I mean, like all I'm saying is like the the Texans can beat the Chiefs. It can most certainly happen. It's already happened in the last you know in the last calendar year, I guess, or the last 365 days, not calendar year. Um. <laughs> and we already saw the Texans beat the Titans. And the Titans kind of struggled a little bit against the Texans' backups. I mean, that was a close game until a couple fourth-quarter touchdowns. Brian Tannehill is four quarters away from playing the Super Bowl <laughs> in Miami. Like, you got to bring Adam Gase down there and strap his eyes open, clockwork orange style, and you make him watch the entire thing. And you make him watch – like, if you're, if you're Tannehill, are you shouting out Gase? When you like, I mean, like when you win the MVP, like, what are you gonna do? Oh, I'm I'm having a parade through all of Miami. I'm streaking through the Dolphins practice facility. I am going all out to rub in the fact that Dolphins got rid of me, and I'm probably th- better than any. I think you when you win the Super Bowl as Ryan Tannehill, you rip off your your Titans hat and you have a Dolphins hat underneath it. The, the Dolphins are pay, paying him eighteen point five million dollars <laughs> this year. The Titans are paying him $1.85 million. I mean, where is your head at if you're Steven Ross? Like, you, you drafted this guy eighth overall. You signed him to a massive extension. And then, like, he's about to win the Super Bowl with the freaking Titans. It's great. I mean, like, we're a long way from that. I think 
I think what look, I I don't want to undersell what the um Titans are doing, what they could do, and again, like if you're listening, to, like I could sound stupid by the time that this is posted, borderline, but like I do think this is the Chiefs have gotten every break imaginable on the AFC side of the bracket. I mean, the Titans took out the Patriots and they took out the Ravens. And so now the Chiefs have to beat the Texans and they have to beat the Titans and they're in the Super Bowl and they're going to be in the Super Bowl against either the Packers, Seahawks, or 49ers. Now, look. The Chiefs did help themselves, by the way. They won in Week 17 and the Patriots crapped their pants. Of, of course. But I'm just saying, like, you, if you're the Chiefs, you haven't played a playoff game yet and you know you have to win two games against the yeah. Texans That's and right. then the Texans, Titans, and one of the Packers, Seahawks, or 49ers. The 49ers are a really good team, but and like two games at home. And you way. haven't played a playoff game yet, and the one and the three seed are already gone. Yeah, and look, like, like yeah, and look, again, I understand that the Titans beat the crap out of the Ravens, but when you they were on the field for 92 plays. Like that's not going to be an easy recovery coming back next week and having to deal with that. The Chiefs are going to. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We can talk. We can talk about this on Sunday night because the Chiefs are a long way from home. Um, but uh, look, you know who else we got to give credit to? FedEx. We, we need to. We need to wrap up. We need to write apology notes. Should I deliver it? You guys all mail them to me, and I hand deliver it. Like well, at a, we'll mail it using FedEx to you. Yeah, we're certainly <laughs> not going to mail it to you. We're going to FedEx that issue to your house. Arthur Smith, the Titans' offensive coordinator, uh, I believe that, is he the grandson or the son? I think he's the grandson of the FedEx founder. Um, he is extre- He's the son of the FedEx founder. He is. He does not have to work. He never had to work in his entire life. He, he would not ever have to work in his entire life if he didn't want to. He took a job with the Titans on the lowest possible level. He worked his way up. He stayed with the Titans throughout and throughout. He was made, named the offensive coordinator this year. And ever since Ryan Tannehill came in, he has been on a complete heater. And he called a hell of a game against the Ravens. I mean, Mike Vrabel outcoached John Harbaugh. Dean Pease outcoached Greg Roman, and Arthur Smith outcoached Don Martindale in a big, big way. I think a lot of it was execution from the Ravens not showing up, but I agree with everything sure. you just said. It's not like that, you know, that Harbaugh made a bunch of dumb decisions. He called the right plays, and they just didn't execute them for whatever reason. The, but, yeah, not, taking nothing away from the Titans. That, um, the tip ball in the first quarter off of Mark Andrews' hands, like, I don't know if, I mean, I don't want to oversell how the Ravens were moving down the field, but the Titans had picked up one first down. Game changer. Then they get four yards of Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry gets snuffed out, I think, by Earl Thomas on a, a short pass in the backfield. Do they get a delay of game? Tannehill misses. That was Ryan, Ryan's electric, electronic farting again. Um, Ryan Tannehill's misses A.J. Brown on a deep ball. Kern punts, and then, like, it's four yards, nine yards, no gain, 12 yards, 19 yards. Gus Edwards gets stuffed, but they're at the Tennessee 36, and it felt like they were, the Ravens were marching down to, to put, I don't want to call it like a nail. I mean, they weren't going to end the game, but like I said all week long leading up to this game, and I, I mean, I think it bared itself out, but like the team that got the first quarter lead was going to win the game. 
the, the team that got the first quarter lead was going to be able to run away with it. I'm the moron for not jumping all over the Titans like after they got the 14 nothing lead and thinking that the Ravens would actually come back. Once you either team able to get downhill on the other team, I mean that that was really that was really the story, right? Yeah, the funny thing is I wrote this down after the first Titans drive is that they had a false start or delay a game on third and seven on the first drive. They had to punt because they were backed up. Yep. And then on the 57-yard punt by um, Kern, yep. down inside the three-yard line, Crookshank went out of bounds, first one to touch it, which is, which is a stupid mistake you can't make. So they get the ball at 20 instead of getting the ball at the three. And then you talk about the drive they made and uh, that interception that ended it. And that was only Lamar Jackson's second interception in the last 255 pass attempts after having just six during the season. And then after that, the second drive was that John New Smith left butt cheek touchdown grab. Yeah, two, one cheek in, one cheek, two feet, and that was on the that was on the third and twelve, third and like, goal from the twelve. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, third and goal from the twelve. That's right because Ryan Tannehill was sacked by Earl Thomas, loss of eight yards, and then all of a sudden he's. I mean, that if that had been ruled incomplete, would it have been overturned? No, I think Gene said probably. Gene Staretort in the booth said he thought Gene. it was a touchdown. I well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. the next drive on the, the next Ravens drive was the first time they were stuffed on fourth and one. And they were in the very next throw on that first down was that 45 yard bomb from Tannehill to uh, Khalif Raymond. And it looked like he was he had thrown, overthrown him by 30 yards and he caught it in the back. It was an amazing catch. And that to me felt like that was that was it. That was a wrap. Yeah, and Brinson, I don't think it's that crazy to say if the Ravens had scored on that opening drive, they do probably win the game because after that, you had all these fortuitous things that didn't go against the Ravens all season. You know, as you guys kind of talked about, the Ravens never get stopped on fourth and one. They were eight for eight during the regular season. That happens. The Titans turn around, score a touchdown. Ryan mentioned the butt cheek touchdown. That's improbable. Like, <laughs> if you don't get that, then you're kicking a field goal. Uh, you know, so, Maybe it shouldn't be seven nothing. Maybe it's only three nothing. And then, you know, that dagger that Ryan just said that put the game away. How often that guy only had eight catches all year and he comes out and he catches a, a long touchdown. So it was, by the I, way, it was amazing a, to see that. There's a chance that Ryan's man, Gene, might be on the show next week. Just don't know. Ooh. One, uh, one other note about things going against the Ravens way. The, uh, the Ravens had hey, the 11. 11- hold on. Do you think Ryan will call him Mr. Sterator? They'll definitely call him Mr. Sterator, right? Hey, Mr. Steratore. Real, real, real glad you interrupted me for that. I know. Brinson is so angry that Philip Rivers is, is hot garbage that he doesn't know what to do with himself. The Rivers. Go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. So the Ravens went... finished regular season with the 11th best defense on third down, forcing the team off the field. They gave up three touchdowns today on third down. That's so, I mean, that's... that's stat. Huh? I should not have interrupted you for that stat. Oh, okay. it's an apology. Wow. He's, he's being sarcastic, you moron. <laughs> I'm dead, dead serious. Oh, you are? Oh, I apologize to both of you. Oh, dry January is really making me a nice report. I know. You're a grumpy. Uh, speaking what of grumpy. You, what are you drinking out of that metal straw in that metal container? Water. Uh, dry January water or dry January's over water? I haven't had a drink in like. And dry January, John. You haven't had a drink in that Look at him. He kind of looks like that, like alcoholic who like hasn't had a drink and like. <laughs> so listen, speaking of grumpy, like a crack addict. Um, speaking of grumpy, Marlon Marlon Humphrey said after the game, according to Aditi Kikabwalif in NFL.com, quote: "This team's identity right now is to get to the playoffs and choke." End quote. Oh, who's that sound like? <laughs> John Breach. Bengals, Talk- Andy Dalton. That's all. <laughs> Phil Rivers. <laughs> it's AFC North quarterbacks with no playoff wins. It's a pretty long list right now. 
Kirk Cousins. So there's there's another wow. stat, John, that you bring that up. I mean, Marlon Humphrey obviously is a little closer to the situation than you are, but I know what you're saying. Lamar Jackson, this is from NFL Research, in five NFL playoff or college bowl games, going back a little bit, one and four record, ten touchdowns, ten giveaways for Lamar Jackson. I don't feel like Lamar Jackson is suddenly terrible, but it's just not a good looking back-to-back playoff games. Do you think anyone at any point during that playoff uh, loss on Saturday, there were calls for Joe Flacco to come to the game and bench, <laughs> bench Lamar Jackson? That's very good. Lamar Jackson was asked. Uh, we got we got on CBS Sports HQ. Great Twitter feed if you want good quotes and video immediately after the game. Nobody's better than the CBS Sports HQ or CBS Sports Social Team, by the way. So the best guys, the best. They are they kill it. Uh, here's Lamar Jackson explaining how long this playoff loss will stick with him. How long will this one hang with you, Lamar? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I hate losing. I really do. So I don't know. But like I said, we got to move on. Got to get better for next year. I, I mean, all right. Are we going to do this thing where we question Lamar Jackson's bona fides because he's now 0-2 in the playoffs? I mean, someone did tweet that at me. I, I mean, I, under, I, I understand. Point until he wins. I think 0-3 is when you start talking. So he gets one more year to prove himself. I mean, I think there have been like what three quarterbacks younger than him to win a playoff game. So like, it's like it's not like this is his fifth season and his fifth go at it. So that's why I find it hard to criticize him too much. And I think it is a little bit hard for me to hold last year against him because this was, to me, he wasn't really supposed to play his rookie year. And uh, played Philip Rivers. So what are you gonna do? Like Andy Dalton. Hey, let me let me ask you this by the <laughs> way. You know, if my son, that was uh, I I saw a picture of um. Me holding my son, watching that, watching that Bengals uh, Chargers game. That's the weekend my Robbie other, was born. Your other son sitting behind your shoulder, that little doll you have, little Philip Rivers doll. I think he got rid of it. He was so mad about the Chargers. No, game. no, in the picture during the game. Yeah. By the way, if you're uh, if you're Lamar Jackson, are you answering the phone if you see Andy Dalton's name come up to talk about things? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you either erase his number or he's on block. There's no way those two guys are talking about playoff football. Does does this diminish in any way what Lamar Jackson did during the regular season? In ter- I mean, like I, I don't. It, should, it doesn't. It doesn't to me. It shouldn't. But let me ask you this: If they did the MVP vote legitimately after the season, I feel like Derrick Henry would be getting a ton of votes. <laughs> right or wrong, he would be getting a crap ton of votes, and Lamar would be getting a lot fewer votes. He led the NFL in rushing, and now he's setting. He's on a historical pace in the playoffs. I don't think that is that crazy. That if it was held after the postseason. That Derrick Henry would be getting some MVP. I, I I think it's crazy because what was their record with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, and what was the record with Ryan Tannehill? I think Tannehill played a bigger role in their push. Than Tannehill Derrick opened, Henry. No, Tannehill opened things up for Derrick Henry. That's it. People well, then, didn't just key in on Tannehill. That's, we're just talking let's, about let's, the, the. Let's settle what? down the Tannehill Henry oh, right. stuff. But like, should it should it be voted on after the postseason? Well, I mean, postseason plays a part, and Lamar Jackson. Serious question. Right? I mean, Regular season, Lamar Jackson takes this team to the Super Bowl. No questions asked. Or at I least, think, yeah. I think okay, it's so fine. I, it's, it's framed as the regular season MVP award. Then give, have a new award and have the playoff MVP award. Well, that's got all for that. All right. Well, so then what, sh- okay, should, A, should there be a playoff MVP and B, like, well, there is a Super Bowl MVP, but it means, I mean, I don't know what, like, what do you, like, what do you care if you're the, the- hockey names a playoff MVP? I yeah, I like it. Like it doesn't have to be the guy who played That's best. That's because you grew in up in a game. time with participation trophies, Sean. Not everyone gets a prize for being out there. <laughs> Look, I you don't need to have the playoff MVP, but I don't think you should wrap in the overall MVP with the playoffs because I think that's about well, the regular season, and I don't think you want to discount someone because they played one bad game. 
and is yeah. that he, he doesn't go to the playoffs. They're sort well, of. Well, and also of- like has has the MVP missed the postseason? Probably not. I'd have to think about it. But yeah, like, so like, like I remember Adrian Peterson won the MVP, and I mean wrong, wrongfully, <laughs> like Peyton Manning should have won it, but you know whatever. Like it's it's fine. But like they got. Blasted by the Packers. In they were starting field. Joe Webb at quarterback, I think. Yeah, and so like that's a little unfair. It's like unfair to like. And again, like I don't know. Ryan touched on this a little bit. I I don't pin this on Lamar Jackson's inability to step up in the playoffs. To me, the the Ravens were sloppy early on. They looked like they'd been sitting for three weeks. They look, you know, ten. I mean, this is just sort of the nature of the playoffs, and we haven't seen it in recent years because chalk is held so firmly, and the best teams have won. But like. When the, the Titans came in on a friggin' heater, you know, yeah. like they had to win to get in and they're just sort of feeling themselves and Henry's rolling and Taylor Lewan is, you know, like Mike Vrabel's got this no D energy going on and like the, I mean, like, <laughs> no like, D energy. I mean, the Titans, the Titans <laughs> lost two of their last three regular season games. So that's why people didn't think they were, so they were cold coming into the playoffs, you know? We're, I have a quick, I have a quick thing for you, Brenton. Only two team, uh, only two players, excuse me, have, have won MVP when their team did not make the playoffs. Um, it's been 46 years. You, uh, know one of them. And you know the other one too. But, uh, uh OJ Simpson? Was that it? 1973 for the Bills and, um, six uh, years yes. at, Johnny Unitas. You're looking it up. Yes, correctly. Good, good, good guesses while Googling. But the issue is obviously this doesn't need to repeat it, but I will anyway. Usually the quarterback wins MVP, and the quarterback's not going to win MVP playing for a terrible team. And and just I mean like before you claim dunked on for the Titans losing two of their last three, like after their bye, they were five and five. The breach. He's oh, okay. they went they beat they snuck that they snuck that crazy game out against the uh, Chiefs going into their bye, and then after the bye they went four and two with their two losses as a three-point loss to the Texans, and then the 10-point loss to the Saints. It was really more like a three-point loss, but there were some shenanigans at the end with the Saints' touchdown. And then they slaughtered the Texans. I mean, like, they were... But the Texans were playing their backups in that game. And and also, if, if yeah, we're doing fine. that, the, the Titans' three-point loss to the Texans is really like a 10-point loss. They scored with two minutes left in that game to make it a three-point game. Okay, that's, that's fine. All, all I'm saying is that, like... The final six weeks of the Titans, we all we were all rooting for them to get in the playoffs because they were playing well and they were a fun team. Even I was. Yes. Yeah. They were like, they were the best team out of the possible six seats out yes. of the Steelers, the and, Raiders, and the Titans. We all agreed on that. Absolutely. And they've been playing really well. And I think one thing that sort of we we haven't touched on enough because we sort of bounced all over the place, and that's fine. But like Jeffrey Simmons, holy hell, that dude is a man child. He should have been a top five pick. Regardless of the ACL tear before the draft. Oh, who was saying that? Weird. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, a, a lot of people were saying like, I got I got a quote real quick. I mean, so, so he tore his ACL like eight months ago, right? Ten months ago, February. Ten months ago. That's the ACL expert. Come on, we have him right here. But I mean, like he right here at me. He he tore his ACL eight ten months ago, and he's out there. Run stuff and everybody going bananas. Like there's no, recover the fumble. yeah, recover the fumble. There's no reason he should have fallen the way he did. Teams need to be far more aggressive about draft. Like if you tear your ACL in the draft process, I get it. You're probably not going to play the first few weeks of the season, but like you're investing in somebody for five years. Why the problem you- is 
Ask, I mean, it depends because you don't know how the, re- the rehab's going. He had it in February. He was drafted in late April. Darius Geis is an example that went to a team that whose doctors are sometimes questioned about how they do things. And his ACL tore his ACL with the Redskins. Like that's right. And the the Titans team doctors didn't do the surgery on Jeffrey Simmons, so they don't know the particulars, and you don't know immediately whether it's you have to wait and see. So yes, as you make that face, I understand that the Titans doctor didn't do the surgery. But you still don't know the, the particulars of it until you get him in there. What are you shaking your head about? What's so hard to understand about that? Well, Darius Geis was ACL after being drafted, so it's not really the same. But his recovery was not ten months because the the the, the rehab was not done. It wasn't done properly. There were well, complications. Cause the, well, it's because the Redskins are the training staff is run by like three KG. My, my point is that the fact that he was drafted in the first round is actually pretty impressive, given that he had three months off ACL surgery. What, yeah, what pick was he? Twenties somewhere. Because like. the Titans have made the playoffs and then lost to. God, so getting Simmons. They missed the playoffs. Getting, getting Simmons and getting AJ. Nineteen. Brown. Thank you, Devo. Devo so good. Yeah, that was they had a, and they 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 had a great draft. Monty uh, Monty Hooker was drafted um, like a day three guy, the safety who played well. He's played a lot this year. They did really good for a team that you know historically has been boring to watch, but this year has been the exact opposite, or at least. Post Mariota has been the exact opposite of that. By the way, AJ Brown has like twelve or thirteen receiving yards in the postseason. Like, imagine if we had said that coming in that Tannehill throw for one hundred sixty yards. AJ Brown, who we were talking about, should have been should be rookie of the year, has thirteen yards and two catches in two games. And the Titans beat the Patriots in Foxborough and the Ravens uh, in in Baltimore. Uh, I, I do want to oh, know quickly. The Titans' defense was replacement level coming into the season into the postseason too so that they've turned that up as well Sorry. and real quick on their defense th- their last three first round picks jeffrey simmons rashawn evans adore jackson nice yeah home runs rashawn evans is playing outstanding that's, that's pretty solid yeah and you didn't mention Corey davis but that's fine well let's just like john i mean well I, we were talking about defensive players brinson i mean <laughs> well just i mean like they're here's their just their last three drafts as a whole Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, DeAndre Walker, David Long, Rashawn Evans, Harold Landry, Dane Cruikshank, Luke Falk. Love Luke Falk. Corey Davis, Adoree Jackson, Taewon Taylor, Jonu Smith, Javon Brown. Good Lord. I mean, that is it. How- and, yeah, and then and they traded for Tannehill. It's not like Tannehill was on the roster. They saw really good value in giving up, I think, what, it was the six-round pick or six and a four um, and getting a seventh back in Tannehill. And Tannehill's contract – was very cheap too. So they understood that like at worst we have a good backup because we have a quarterback who's very injury prone and then credit to the coaching staff for not sticking it through and being like, well, we got to see what Mariota does this year because we got to decide what to do with the offseason. They yanked him and put, put the other guy in. They deserve credit for making that change because a lot of teams wouldn't make that change. Uh, and just to follow, I mean like John Robinson, this guy is assaulting the draft. I mean, and so that's, you listen to the players he got in 2000, those first two years. And then 2016, I think was his first year. Jack Conklin, Derrick Henry, Kevin Byard in the first three rounds. So good job by you, John Robinson. You deserve a ton of praise. Titans are awesome. Titans are moving on to the AFC championship game. Man, reaching Clay Travis. A tandem somehow. I'm going to have to take that guy out for a drink and show him that YouTube video. Uh, one, one more thing. John Harbaugh was asked about being rusty. Yeah. If he thought his team was rusty, he said, quote, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I think it's unanswerable. I thought our guys practiced hard, but we didn't play a sharp football game for sure. What you attribute that to, I guess you can theorize. 
And that is from Sarah Ellison from the Ravens official website. So he didn't say yes or no. He just said, that's possible. I, mean, I do want to. I do want to note before people say uh, the Ravens messed up by sitting their starters in Week 17 that it came out after that Lamar Jackson and other players were actually have had the flu in Week 17 and they battled it and were obviously healthy enough for this game. But I think that solidifies the decision to sit the guys because if they were battling the flu and they had everything wrapped up, I don't think you play them. By the way, uh, Chris Long just tweeted this out and it's noteworthy because we're talking about Lamar Jackson as the uh, playoff version and what's going on there. Love Chris uh, Long, by the way. These are these are these are quarterbacks um, when they got their first playoff win. Drew Brees six years in, Peyton Manning six years in, zero and three prior to that. Jim Kelly six year, Aaron Rodgers sixth year, third as a starter. Elway was his fourth year, he was zero and two. McNair his fifth year. Randall Cunningham eighth year, he was zero and three. And Dan Fouts eighth year, he was zero and one. So the point is that we'll talk about it, but Lamar Jackson's probably gonna be. What about well, who tweeted who tweeted that out? Chris Long. Well, cause I would say that you shouldn't really look at years. You should look at how many playoff games they played. Because if you're a first round quarterback, chances are you were drafted by a bad team that's not going to be in the playoffs for two or three years. So that puts you behind the eight ball. But if you talk about quarterbacks who struggled in their first few playoff performances, Peyton Manning started off 0 and 3. And that's when people started saying, Hey, he can't win playoff games. It was literally after that third playoff game, Matt Ryan started off 0 and 3. And you remember they started having that conversation. They were the number one seed, I think, in 2000 – or number two – they lost to the Giants. They got smoked by the Giants. They also got smoked by the Packers. So you're the Packers when the Super Bowl is the first seed against the sixth seed. In 2010. Yeah, yeah. So basically two years in a row. And then that – I don't think there was any expectations that first year. I think it was Ryan's rookie year. So that wasn't a big deal. Just like Lamar last year. But he's like, it's his rookie year. Nobody was expecting them to go far. So this is fine. Uh, but I do think it's that third one. If he falls to 0-3 next year, that's when – Heads start rolling. That's when you say, "Hey, maybe this guy isn't clutch." But I mean, it's not like they're no. going to get rid of him. It's not like they're going to get rid of him. That's what's happened, man. Peyton wait, wait, wait. Like I, I, oh no, not get rid of him. But yeah, if he loses in the, if he goes one and done next year, I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that will a hundred percent be a narrative and storyline that pops up. I, I don't disagree with that. But why does he get – I mean, what do the Titans do? They have a spy on him? Until we have all 22, I don't think we'll be able to tell exactly, but it did feel like they had a spy on him most of the game. They and- were – they were – they were, like, not rushing anybody. They were – they were – they were, like, sort of spying, like, defensive linemen and just kind of dropping everybody back. And they would have – you could see they would have um, Rashawn Evans and uh, – oh, goodness. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the guy who is uh, the uh, other linebacker. Um uh, Correa. I'll tell you a story. Anyway, Correa, uh, they would have those guys press up to the line of scrimmage and sort of like float with the mesh, po- float and watch the mesh point and try to make sure that, and look, Mark Ingram being hurt was a big problem. Like they're a much better running team with a healthy Mark Ingram and he just wasn't healthy out there. Gus Edwards was balling all year long. I don't know if Mark Ingram was What's... the reason I lost. Gus Edwards is fine. I mean, he's not. So Mark Ingram is the the reason they lost. Is that what you're saying? No, look, I think the re, no, I think no, the reason they lost is they didn't they didn't execute in the red, down in the red zone. They didn't get fourth fourth. They didn't convert the fourth and shorts. And again, like the team that was able to run thirty times with its running backs was going to win this game. I know that sounds simplified, but like these two teams are so good at running downhill that whoever had the lead early on was going to run all over the other team, and that's what happened with the Titans. Let's take a break, and when we come back. We'll talk about the other game that happened on Sunday. Saturday. 
Finger out sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondry's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, San Francisco 49ers, sigh, a sad death to the uh, hopes of the Vikings, my team, that I picked my Super Bowl pick officially, adios amigos. Do anybody else still have their picks alive, Ryan? Yes, sir, I do. Thanks to Breach for reminding me last week. Breach does not. Ryan is the only person with with both both teams still alive. Both teams still alive. Wait. Princeton's the only one with both eliminated. Yeah. Yes. Besides okay. for Jason Lock and Fora. But the only one on the podcast. Who JLC have? He had Patriot Saints. See, if you JLC, why are you not all in on the Ravens? Because you guys made fun of him to the point that he wanted to cry last year. So he, he Chris started texting him in the third quarter. He's like, Are you okay? Is everything <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Is everything all right, Jason? Do you need a, a tissue? Is everything okay? And he was like, You could tell he's like like trying to answer politely so Pete would like not to encourage him. But it was like, it was like, but there was also a point where it was like the Ravens went down and scored. It was like, Ooh, now this was spicy. <laughs> like JLC would just be uncorking like hell, like hell torrent, like swear words at him. Anyway, 27, 10, 49ers absolutely dominated the Vikings. A look, I would say that, um, I would say it was sort of similar to the Titans Ravens game in the sense that it's like, you like, and you know, in, um, like in wrestling, if you're wrestling somebody, if you get, if you get like the upper position, like if you get the position, the position of leverage, it, it's over. You know what I mean? Like if you have, like, no, 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 it was me. The Vikings were two of 12 on third down. They had seven first downs in the entire game and 147 yards, average 3.3 yards per play. Um, look, 
I got. I mean, like, I got. I got to start picking these games based on what I think might happen. As opposed, to, like, like I mean, like I no, like so I. What's your I, current method? Well, no, like I. I yeah, well, that. yeah. How's your? What's your record? It's terrible. Look at look at the old Brandon Breach over there. He's so happy. Wait, is he own four? Own six, straight up. I think. Oh my! Um, no, it's over, calling out for territory. Um. <laughs> so no, 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 like I well. I sh- I think that my pick of the Vikings. I don't think my pick. Like I don't think the Vi- Like I don't think this game was. There there was an outcome where the Vikings could have won the game, but it involves not muffing a punt, not throwing the pick from Kirk Cousins. Like there were a couple moments where you're like, well, this is over. Like they they have they have given like they had a chance act- and it's over. I actually think the game for me really swung because I don't think they played well at all in the first half, but they were obviously still in the game. But Garoppolo throws a really bad interception. Yep. In a 14 to 7 49ers lead late in the first half. The kind of throw that Garoppolo can't make because they can just carry that into halftime. They get the ball. They're up seven and they're smooth sailing. He throws a really bad interception, sets up the Vikings in like, I want to say near the 20 yard line already. It and was on the, uh, 27? Got to the San Francisco 29. Um, and the play that I think is Kirk Cousins' worst moment in this game, the interception, Thielen actually took uh, took the blame yeah. after the game because he stopped his route. The throw that Cousins wants to have back, I bet, is second and 11 from about the 15 or so. And he has digs wide open on an out route that's going to take the ball to the six or seven yard line. And he just completely misses it. Yep. There's no pressure on him. There's no one covering digs within three yards. And he just throws it out of bounds. That sets up a third and 11. And once you get into third and 11, third and eight, third and 10 against this 49ers defense, those four rushers can just come and attack you. And the 49ers are so good up front that they don't have to send extra blitzers. They can just send four and put seven back in coverage. They sack cousins. They have to kick a field goal. And they didn't score another point the rest of the game. I feel like if the Vikings score a touchdown on that drive, Cousins completes that pass. Maybe they have a chance at 14-14. But after 14-10, it just felt like that was their big missed chance. Garoppolo tried to hand them seven points, and they just didn't take it. Yeah, I mean, I would say, too, like, all right, so after that, um, after that Dan Bailey 39-yard field goal, it's 14-10. It's, I mean, it's 14-10 going into halftime. If it, I mean, like, and look, the Vikings had one first down in that first half, but they didn't play well. They they lost some momentum not being able to get a touchdown there, like the Ravens not being able to get a touchdown at the end of the first half, too. Um, the, the 49ers come out, and they move the ball quick, and they get down to Minnesota 17, and they are running the ball. Uh, the 49ers, the, the Vikings hold them. Fourth and two at the Minnesota 17, Robbie Gold kicks a 35-yard field goal, makes it 17-10. It's still just a one, it's a one-score game, and the Vikings get the ball back. They again first and ten, Dalvin Cook up the middle. Surprise, surprise! What you've been doing the whole freaking game. The, the, we'll get to that in a second. But Cousins incomplete on the on second down, and then that third down, he's interse- he's intercepted. And look, I good for Thielen for taking credit for it because he, he threw Cousins under the bus earlier this year. It was it was a bad it was a it wasn't a, it wasn't a good throw, but like as Thielen said, you're supposed to keep running the route and to stay in front of Richard Sherman and make sure that Sherman was shocked he got the ball. Like he was shocked. I think he it was a bad throw though. It was, yeah, but if, like, if he runs the route though, it's probably tipped incomplete because there's a body there and they're fighting over the ball. I agree. He's throwing it to a spot and the spot's not open. Sherman's reading that the whole way. But if if Thielen keeps cutting across his body, and it's funny, independent, they didn't hear each other. They both said. 
Cousins said, I was throwing it, expecting Thielen to cut across the cornerback's body, and yeah. Thielen said, I should have cut across the yeah. body. That's what I was supposed so, to do. Like, Thielen, That's an incomplete Thielen, pass. They punt, yeah. and field position's flipped, and it's not a quick touchdown drive. Yeah, or even, like, um, would it have been a first down? He called it the 42, so it would have been a first down because it was third, and it would have been really close. So it probably wouldn't have been a first down. Whatever. Like, it's either incomplete and they punt or it's complete and they punt. Either way, they don't. It's intercepted. They get the ball at, uh, Minnesota's 29. Or no, excuse me. They get the ball because there was an unnecessary roughness call on Nick Bosa there as well. So it's backed up 15 yards. They get the ball at Minnesota, Minnesota's 44 and it's 17 to 10. It's a heartbreaking moment for the Vikings. Here is the, uh, here's the next couple of plays. Tevin Coleman up the middle for four yards. Tevin Coleman up the middle for six yards. Tevin Coleman right tackle for six yards. Raheem Mostert up the middle for seven yards. Raheem Mostert right tackle for four yards. Raheem Mostert left tackle for four yards. Tevin Tevin Coleman up the middle for 11 yards. Tevin Coleman right guard, two two yards, touchdown. That is That was the back-breaking, soul-crushing, it's-over, good-night Minnesota drive right there. Yeah, before they – oh, go ahead, Sean. It's it's funny because it, they did it in such a way that like that's how Mike Zimmer wants to play. Um, and watching this game, it really felt like both of these teams are actually remarkably similar in terms of their approach, in terms of how they're constructed. Both of them have quarterbacks who are good, I would say, but both of them have three or four really bad misses in them per game. Both of them want to run the ball like crazy, and both of them are built really strong defensively, especially up front. The difference is that the 49ers are just better in all of those areas by a little bit. They have a better coach, which makes their quarterback look a lot better, where I don't think Cousins is usually helped that much by his coaching staff, unless the running game's cooking and they can run play action. The defensive line is better in San Francisco, and so that that's what it felt like. It felt like both of these teams, the Vikings wanted to do what the 49ers did. They just couldn't do it as well as the 49ers could do it. Um, here, by the way, is Kyle Shanahan talking about the run game. I mean, we didn't start it out that way. It's just, um, I mean, you don't start it out before it's saying, Hey, we're going to run it every down. You just call a run to start out and you just stick with it. And eventually we scored and, um, half of us were asking where the throws were on it. And we've looked back at the pictures, realized that we didn't throw any. Um, so it was just a hell of a job by the old line coming off the ball, getting some push. Uh, when you can do that, you wear the guys down and force them to change some of their coverages a little bit. Um, and then our defense kept getting us the ball back. And same same with the special teams. You know, that, that long punt that they had, um, that we had, and um, Raheem being able to come down there, cause that fumble, uh, that was huge too. And just a um, great overall win for the whole team. And it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't have George Kittle talk about the run. I personally feel like we don't run the ball enough every single week, so we <laughs> finally got 47 rushes. So I was pretty happy about that. I think we should have gotten to at least 50. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, I think our defense did a fantastic job. Uh, we put them in a couple bad situations early. Uh, I think they handled it well. They held them to a field goal, um, and they got to stop on another one. So, you know, our defense just keeps playing like that. All we have to do is not turn the ball over, and we'll win games. I mean, he's not wrong. Are the 49ers the best team left in football? Not for me. I, I think the Chiefs. Yeah. I would take the Chiefs, too. I just didn't know if there was a descending opinion. NFC for me, but not it- – well, yeah, Ryan. Yes. Well, is it unanimous? Ryan, are they the best team left? Uh, I think it's either the Chiefs or the Seahawks because those are my Super Bowl picks, suckers. <laughs> no, I think yeah. it's the Chiefs. We'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday with the Chiefs Titans, uh, excuse me, Chiefs Texans, but I, I feel like the Chiefs are more explosive. Uh, although that's a game I would absolutely love to see though. I've got a bunch of people on Instagram giving me crap for my quarterback rankings from the Danny Cannell podcast show, and that's okay. Um, 
let me ask you this, Sean. If Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins traded places before this game, who wins? The same team. I mean, I, I really do think these quarterbacks are so similar. Even I was before the game just doing prep and writing down where they finished the regular season. They are positioned so close to each other um, in terms of just their overall numbers. It's it's insane. The one thing I'll give Garoppolo credit for. Also, Kirk Cousins came from Kyle Shanahan's system. I mean, yes, like it's, yes. yeah. The one thing I will give Garoppolo credit for, and especially I think it showed up a bit in this game, I think he's a little bit more willing to take chances downfield than Cousins. Um, and that sometimes results in bad interceptions. Uh, Garoppolo has a much higher interception rate than than Cousins, but I thought in this game, a lot of what Cousins did poorly were the throws he didn't even try to make. He had a couple downfield shots that I thought could have been on. Instead, he chose to dump it down, and even Zimmer, after the game, they asked him about it. Zimmer's like, well, we called some downfield shots, like, just didn't throw them. Like, he had a comment kind of about it. He did say that? Yeah, I, I, that's not the direct quote. It's in my story. I can't remember the direct quote. Is Jimmy Garoppolo evil Kirk Cousins? Evil. He's handsome or Kirk Cousins. You know, Zimmer, <laughs> Zimmer is taking subtle shots at Cousins all the time. Like he did that regularly during the regular season where he would say something after the primetime record, after Cousins fell to 0-9, he was like, I don't want to talk about his record in primetime and kind of just throwing him under the bus. And then when Cousins played a few good games at the end of December uh, and that good game last week, all of a sudden Zimmer's riding the high horse with Cousins. But he does not. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're gonna. You're, I was gonna just say that uh, if you wanted, we could. Well, I think here. that we had some called and we didn't throw them. Um, you know, so just you know, we threw the one to Diggs. We had a couple others called during the course of the game, and um, for whatever reason, they didn't get get done. That's him, I believe, giving the exact uh, the exact thing that uh, that Sean was talking about. I mean, that's throwing your quarterback under the bus. There is no other way to describe that. It's saying, hey, look, that's not my fault. That's not our offensive coordinator's fault. That is on the quarterback for not throwing the pass. And that is something you see with Kirk Cousins. And I know, like, you see it all the time with Aaron Rodgers. Well, sometimes he won't make a throw because he's afraid that it might get intercepted. That's how he keeps his interceptions down. Well, Kirk Cousins isn't as talented as Aaron Rodgers usually. I know that this year you can make an argument, but Cousins is protective of the ball, and he's not going to throw it if he thinks there's even an equaling of a chance that it's going to get intercepted, and that's why you don't see him make a lot of deep shots. But look, they threw the one to Diggs, it's a touchdown, and then he gets afraid to pull the trigger? I mean, that's insane. Like, how does the Kirk Cousins not watch his own self throw a touchdown pass in the first quarter? So it was crazy that they didn't take any other deep shots, and that is on Cousins, if the plays yeah. were called. Cousins did point out that... uh the, I think 49ers rank first in allowing the least explosive plays. So, like, we should give the 49ers defense, obviously, credit. Um, and the 49ers did bench the cornerback who got burned by Diggs repeatedly on that series. He did not play. Yeah, I don't, he might have gotten snaps, but he was definitely benched as a starting quarterback after that. So that played a role. And the other thing I think played a role, um, again, I'm not absolving Cousins. I just wrote a big story about how Cousins is, deserves most of the blame for this loss, not all of it, but most of it. Um, you think so? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, there's a lot of factors. I think he's like low on the list of like problems in Minnesota. But the problem is that when you get a contract that big, I think the idea is he's supposed to be able to overcome some of the problems. And it seems like more that in a game like this, he was just like a passenger. He went as the rest of the team went and he wasn't able to elevate play around him. Uh, I wouldn't say that like he's the reason why they lost. I just think in a game like this where you're seven point underdogs, he needed to play really good football for them to have a chance, and he just didn't do that. Here's uh, Mike Zimmer, by the way, talking about Kirk Cousins' contract. 
I don't know what his contract situation is, so we'll, we'll worry about that down the road. Today's not the day discussion. That's a that's a bold-faced lie. You know exactly what his contract situation is. You hate his contract. You're mad when he signed it, and you're counting the days until Kirk Cousins can be released, which is also, it's three years fully guaranteed. It was a very easy contract. It's not like it's like, let me check on the cap ramifications. It's just his contract. So, I don't know, man. Um it, uh, by the way, Sean mentioned the uh, 49ers defense. Richard Richard Sherman went off after after the game. Uh, just how people don't take him seriously and how they call him a zone corner. And he was talking specifically about interception. He's played in 13 games in the playoffs. You want to know what his uh, touchdown interception ratio is? I would love to. Zero touchdowns, three picks. You know what's impressive hey, about you his? You know what? Would you like to hear his rant? I already listened to it. I think he's asking the listeners. Oh. God, every, every, I can't tell if he's joking. Right? Can I add one quick step before was, you play it? So you've already ruined your rhythm. Unbe- <laughs> unbelievable. Of course I was not, joking. Not you, it's, him, Sean, not you. Uh, no, it's, not, it's 90 seconds. That's why I, I was assuming you weren't going to play the whole thing, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Do Go you ahead, want to hear it? You're like, no, I've already heard it. Thanks. <laughs> no, I knew what you were doing. I knew you were going to play it anyway. So that's, I was getting his, in. His interceptions are always more, I feel like, it really shows how good he is because he makes use of such limited opportunities. He was targeted uh, once in the first half, so that interception he got early on in the second in the second half was only the second time Cousins threw at him, and it, it, it makes sense why when you play against the 49ers, you pretty much have to ignore half the field because Sherman stays on that on that sideline, and if you throw it there, you see what happens. In the playoffs, in big games, I show up. I show up year in, year out. It, whether it's 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, unless I tear my Achilles, I'm out there and I'm doing my job at a high level. And I think I get tired of the excuses, you know, for why, why I'm good. Oh, my God, they're playing zone. Oh, my God, it was this guy. Oh, my God, it, it, the receiver slipped. Oh, my God. It's, it's like, why, why don't other people get those ops then? You know what I mean? There's a lot of other corners out there who have the same ops I have, you know. It's, it's odd. It's, it's, it's like people got frustrated that I was so confident early on in my career. I was so confident early on so that people wanted me to fail. And when I didn't fail, it's like, how do we tear him down in other ways? How do we find a way to tear him down? You know what I mean? How do we find a way to rip his game apart? Because I'm too consistent on a year-in, year-out basis. You know, since I got in the league, every category that matters to a corner, I'm number one in. Completion percentage, interceptions, touchdowns against, yards, like completion percentage, passer rating. You know, if, if that was any other corner, it wouldn't even be a conversation. Um, but, you know, I just get tired of it. You know, I, in the in the playoffs, I I played in 13 games now. Zero intercept. I mean, zero touchdowns given up. Three interceptions. Like, show me somebody else doing it like that, and and then I'll, I'll enjoy the argument. You know what I mean? But there isn't. Sherman, fiery. Hey, Breach is Sherman. Richard Sherman, a Hall of Famer. Yes. That, uh, our our buddy uh, podcast friend of the show, Andrew Perloff, just tweeted. I mean, perfectly fine to ask. He was like, "Is Richard Sherman a Hall of Famer?" And I was like, "I." I think he's a slam dunk Hall of Famer because you got like you got the stats, you've got the being part of a uh, one like dynasty type of defense, and then the resurgent years in San Francisco, um, and you have like the bombastic personality. I I would say first ballot plus like the great hair that would be awesome on the bust. I mean, it just feels like a very easy pick. It's pretty remarkable what he's doing, considering when he left Seattle, he had just ruptured his Achilles. 
yeah, which it, it, is a much more serious injury than an ACL at the age of 29, I think, at the time. And he was a little bit banged up last year. And I spent famously spent the whole offseason saying the 49ers secondary is trash, in part because I was like, oh, Sherman's 31. He's their best corner. He's coming off an Achilles here from a year and a half ago. He probably can't hold up. And credit to him because he's completely held up. Yeah, and you look at what he's done. All his teams have been good, and he's played a big part on why they've been good. This is his ninth season. This is the sixth time he's been to the postseason. He's already played in two Super Bowls. He's on his way to what? His third NFC title game or fourth? He went to uh, at least two, two Super Bowls. So I think yeah, two and he played in the no, it'd be third title game, I believe. Yeah, so three title games in nine seasons when you play a key part on the defense of the team you're on. I mean, plus I think he's two or three, three time first team all pro. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say he's a Hall of Famer. Also dunked all over like 90% of the NFL media. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm, I'm reading, uh, some of the comments to Richard Sherman's rant and, and this 49ers fan, uh, responded to Sherman and said, you're right, Richard. I hated you back. When you talk so much ish back when you uh, were with the Seahawks, it drove me nuts to the point that I got myself blocked. But because I donated to your blanket coverage charity, you unblocked me. So glad you're a 49er now. I absolutely love you. And I suspect a lot of 49ers, 49ers fans felt that way about Richard Sherman because he, he did. You wanted to hate him if you were not a Seahawks fan. And, but as Sean pointed out, um, he's legit and he's earned everything he's, he's gotten. And it's he a, it's a, he's, he's it's one a of the WCW Hulk Hogan thing, right? Like, but he's incredibly smart, which sort of gets undersold, um, not only in just because of, you know, the Aaron Andrews yelling into the mic. Who's he yelling about when he yelled into the mic at Aaron Andrews? It was Michael Crabtree. Crabtree oh, he, right. Yeah. He has the iconic play, too. That was the other thing I was going to say about his Hall of Fame resume. He has the tip in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, so um, even I, who am much stingier than Sean and uh, Brenson with their Hall of Fame votes, I would I would put in Richard Sherman, no question. Yes. Finally, consensus. Vikings went punt, touchdown, punt, punt, field goal, interception, punt, 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 down, downs. Mm. Tough. Um, are the 49ers, I think this answer is an emphatic yes, but the 49ers are the best defense left, right? Yes. Yes. Emphatically. Emphatically, yes. That could be a big factor in the Super Bowl if they get there. The other thing that I thought was huge in this game, Quan Alexander's return, like the screen game to Dalvin Cook did not work at all. I mean, that was snuffed out left and right. And Dalvin Cook was like evading the initial pressure and then he would scoot around somewhere and there would be another 49ers player right there. I was really, really disappointed. I could, I think you could tell that the Vikings offensive game plan had, had, um, Mike Zimmer's fingerprints all over it because like they didn't bootleg Kirk Cousins at all. And, um, Jim Lanzone. Uh, former boss at CBS and I were DMing about this before the game. And, um, he pointed out, he's like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I think the Vikings can get going early if they can, you know, if they can bootleg cousins and use the screen game to attack. He's like, they've been doing that to Robert Sala for like a month and he just cannot figure it out. And I didn't feel like they bootlegged cousins at all. And they were really insistent on running the ball on first down basically every single time. In the first half, this is all their plays on first down. Run for three yards, run for two yards, pass for five yards, pass for four yards, sack rate negative eight yards, run for zero yards, pass for four yards, pass for negative one yards. They didn't gain more than five yards on first down once in the first half. Also at halftime, you're right. This was, they tried really hard to get Dalvin, turn this into a Dalvin Cook game to the point where they were just overly stubborn. He led at halftime the team in touches with 10. He had 19 yards on 10 touches. That's terrible. 
Sean, what was the atmosphere like? This was the first playoff game ever at Levi Stadium. This place opened in 2014. It was, it was actually, um, I was actually impressed driving into the stadium because you park amongst all the tailgaters and it took me 15 minutes from the time I turned into the parking lot to get to a parking spot because of all the tailgaters walking around. Uh, it's tough to kind of tell the atmosphere, to be honest, during the game because they keep the press box closed and it's a really quiet press box with those, with the glass closed, but I was impressed. Uh, especially because coming into the game, I saw a lot of people saying there were a lot of Vikings fans there. Um, and I think by the time the stadium filled out, it was pretty much mostly 49ers fans from what I could see. Uh, and Dalvin Cook, for instance, you talked about the 49ers doing a fantastic job of shutting down that screen game. Dalvin Cook finished with six catches for eight yards. Nice. That is the lowest total in NFL playoff history for someone who caught six or more passes the old lowest total was six catches for nine yards, which was done by Eric Dickerson in the 1983 playoffs. Yeah. Do you know who was targeted once and caught their only pass that they were targeted for? Garrett Bradbury, one catch, two yards. <laughs> well, he wasn't targeted, so that's a little misleading. According to the official NFL stats, he was targeted once. He had one reception, two yards. You know, you got a great laugh off of it the first time. You should have let it uh, Dee Ford, uh, I, I disagree. It's always Dee Ford, D Ford, by the way. A huge, like getting D Ford and Quan Alexander back. I think I really undersold the importance of that, as well as sort of the how much and like Jaquiski Tart. I mean, like how much that mattered versus like Adam Thielen being banged up. I mean, the Forty ers defense at full strength is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've been saying that all season. And, <laughs> I mean, if you're the Forty ers you're absolutely rooting for the Packers to win on Sunday, right? I mean, this is yeah, yes, a no-brainer. Yes, yes, 100%. Yeah, because <laughs> you're going to murder them smash, Yes, they will smash the Packers, I think. With with the Seahawks, it's like, yes, you're better, but you got to face Russell Wilson. And every game the Seahawks play, we talk about all the time, is a one-score game. It feels like that still comes down to the last possession. When you I say smash, well, let me ask quickly. When you say smash, are we talking smash in the same way we thought the Saints were going to smash the Vikings? More or less, because, you know, anything can happen, quote-unquote. Oh my God! Breaches uncovered the greatest <laughs> old takes exposed of all time. This harkens back to the Titans game, but yes. Clay Travis on October six, two thousand nineteen, fire Mike Vrabel in November and offer Lincoln Riley twenty million a year. You're paying a bleepy ass offensive line a hundred million dollars a year would still be a bargain. That is the greatest old wow. take of all time. That was that wasn't even like October of two thousand eighteen. It was October this year. This year, 2019. You hate to see it. Let me tell you something. You do not want to be on Breach's bad side because he will go through great lengths to ruin you. I'm <laughs> sure all takes exposed tweeted it, but like when he sh- when he um when things I, I, gotta, I just I got to make sure Titans fans have me at the top of the totem pole. Uh, th- that will knock Clay Travis down a peg yeah. with that tweet. And one thing about playing. Uh, the 49ers should not want to play Russell Wilson. So the 49ers only gave up 135 yards more rushing four times this year. So four teams rushed for 135 yards or more. The quarterbacks in those games, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray twice, and Russell Wilson. So pretty much every other team that had a, a non-mobile quarterback, a statue quarterback, a Drew Brees or Kirk Cousins, those teams could not run the ball on the 49ers. But when you added the element of a mobile quarterback, uh, that's where the 49ers had trouble. And so I, I think that is the Seahawks could beat them next week. I don't think the Packers could. So that is 
why the 49ers should be rooting for Green Bay. Can I get back to the question that Brentson cut me off to make fun of Clay Travis? When, <laughs> yeah. when you say Packers 49ers is an absolute mismatch, do you feel it's more or less of a mismatch uh, Saints Spikes? Are you asking all of us? Because I think it's more of a mismatch. I didn't think I thought the Vikings uh, had a puncher's chance. I, okay. I, can, I would say I had the Viking Saints at like 65, 35 Saints, but 49ers Packers, I would put it like 80, 20. Wow. Okay. All right. Sean, you feel the same way? Yeah. All right. No, thanks, Sean. What are you guys going to do when Aaron Rodgers throws for 5,000 yards? Probably cry. I would okay. just like you guys to know that Sean lives in the Bay Area and I live in Nashville. So there's only – our teams are still here. We're good luck charms. Fans should literally be emailing us and trying to get us to move to their cities. Yeah, I, I, I am, by the way, open for bribes too. <laughs> Sean lives in Oakland, so weird. <laughs> he said Bay Area. He said Bay Area. Sean goes and to, to, Br- have- to Brenton's point, Santa Clara, I'm sorry, not in San Francisco. Stop calling yourself the San Francisco 49ers. Also, in the middle of, like, nowhere, I felt like I had to drive to the desert. It's near Facebook. It is near Facebook. How long did it take you to get from Oakland to Santa Clara? An hour, an hour pretty much parking, started my car to parking both ways. And, and that's basically an annual thing is everybody on Twitter complaining about the fact that Whatever network is showing the game pans over all the San Francisco sites. You get Alcatraz. You get Golden Gate Bridge. And then everybody's like, well, those aren't in Santa Clara. Why are you showing them? But the stadium is out in the middle of nowhere by Facebook. Okay. Do we um, – anything else we want to uh, to get to on this? Do we miss anything in this game? The Vikings offensive line, look, the Bradbury thing, all the jokes aside, it's a problem. That 49ers defensive line, man, they can just – God, they're good. Like I if they, oh, go, Brinson. They sorry, were good. E-farting again. E-farting. I was just going to say, like, this actually- was a – this was a totally awkward game for the Cleveland Browns. Imagine if they were like leaning towards Kevin Stefanski and then he just got handed to, it to him by Robert Sala. Ryan oh, is man. e-pooping his pants now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, just What'd you have for dinner, Ryan? Electronic biscuits. I love those. So, but, yeah. so if you're the Browns and you were leaning towards Stefanski and all of a sudden he just got dominated by your other candidate, uh, does that change your mind at all? Does that swing you towards Josh McDaniels? How does that work? Also, not helping the matters, they let Kyle Shanahan. I was just going to say that. You know why? Because he didn't think Johnny Menzel was ready to be a, a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Hey, jokes on you guys because they're going to hire Freddie Kitchens again, so it doesn't they matter. They were what. leading the division when Alex Mack went down with a broken leg. They were leading the AFC North with Brian Hoyer and Kyle Shanahan establishes an credit. Was it what year was this? Two thousand fourteen. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, we. Do you remember Kyle Shanahan made like a PowerPoint presentation so he could be let out of his contract after I, that season? Sure. Yes. Sure. Makes sense. By well, the way, was... before we go, I just want to say because we didn't bring it up in the first game, that Tim Tebow Derrick Henry jump touchdown pass was miraculous. We didn't mention it, and I don't want to to go without saying that was one of the maybe the one of the best plays in the postseason so far. Loved it. I was going to say mm, something call. when you guys were talking about Arthur Smith, but then you went on about how we were talking about how he's brilliant. And it's not that like calling Titans plays 80, 80, 85% of that. That's easy. It's just give the ball to Derrick Henry, but you have to pick your spots. And he did it with the Tannehill bomb uh, for the touchdown. And he did it with the Derrick Henry jump touchdown pass. 
And so those were two just brilliant calls. They both worked. And boom, all of a sudden, you're out ahead and nobody is going to beat you. I thought it was ironic that they called the trick play against John Harbaugh, who loves calling trick plays, usually when he's rubbing it in against the other team. This wasn't a rubbing it in situation, but uh, it took the air out of whatever the Ravens had left in in their little football. Yeah, because if anybody didn't see that game, Tannehill actually came out for that play. Marcus Mariota was lined up in shotgun. Then he went into motion. And then Derrick Henry scooted over a step to take the snap, and the Ravens were like, ooh, Wildcat, we're not going to fall for that trash. And then he takes a step forward, jumps up, and throws it. So it was a pretty amazing play. If they don't complete that pass, that game could have like kind of – Or like, intercepted it. Yeah, it could have gone any number of ways. But Arthur Smith smarter than we are, it turns out. That's, it's, ballsy. it's ballsy. It's ballsy. It was ballsy. It was, I, because I, to your credit, if Derrick Henry throws an interception, you're like, why are you not just handing the ball to Derrick Henry and letting him do what he does? Oh yeah, I mean, no, like that is one of the quintessential Twitter plays where it's like, yeah, when he like, completes it, it's like, oh yeah, like Derek Henry, Joe passes, let's go, we're here for it. And it's an interception. It's like, it's too adorable. That's just too cute. Like this moron with his Arthur Smith FedEx. Like that's, it's just yeah, a wild swing. If Russell Wilson had completed that pass instead of handing up to Marshawn Lynch and they'd won the Super Bowl, no one gives two craps about the interception. But you know. All right, ooh, I gotta. Let's, we've been doing this for a long time, but let's, I just want to think of a good way to end these playoff things. We yeah. get it sooner tomorrow. Biggest winner, biggest loser from Saturday, Ryan. Go. Biggest winner is is uh, I'll I'll give it to Ryan Tannehill for just being along for the ride, right place, right time. And the biggest loser, I would say John Harbaugh, but I'm going with Lamar Jackson. He's 0 2. He played okay, didn't play great, not well enough to win. So I think in, I'm going with that game, both guys. Uh. Go, Sean. You want to go? So I'll make my answers different for the sake of just originality. Biggest loser, I'm going to say Kirk Cousins. Um, Again, not all of his fault, but if you factor in what the narrative going against him has been throughout his career, uh, I think it would have been different if he had played well and they lost, but he didn't play well. If this had been his first game in the playoffs, he'd be in – we'd be having a narrative dance party on his face right now. Yes. So the fact that he beat the Saints helps, but at the same time – I it genuinely did felt like he turned a corner after beating the Saints and he played so well in the regular season that I thought this was really disappointing him for the, him to drop a bomb. Biggest winner. <sighs> I mean, I, I think it, I think you have to go Derrick Henry for just very obvious reasons. Cool. Uh, my biggest winner was the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Ah. The Titans are just plowing the path for the Chiefs. To get to the Super Bowl, you knock out the Patriots, you knock out the Ravens, and now all the Chiefs have to do is not gag, but it's the Chiefs, so who knows what's going to happen. That's the team that lost to the Titans because they blew a 21-3 to lead a couple years ago because Marcus Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself, so you can never predict what's going to happen. And the Chiefs game, Ryan, you probably remember the Steelers being the Chiefs when they didn't score a single touchdown in the entire game. Uh, so literally anything can happen in a Chiefs playoff game. My hey, loser... Let me yeah. guess your biggest loser. Pete Prisco for having getting sent to Kansas City. <laughs> That's a great tweet, but it is not Pete Prisco. My biggest loser is Mike Brabel's genitalia <laughs> <laughs> because we are three weeks away from it not existing. I we mean, started the podcast with Mike Brabel's genitalia talk. We're in the podcast with Mike Brabel. What, I'm telling you, what if he already cut it off and he's just reaping the rewards of having chopped off his penis? And he's like, he's like, I know I'm winning these games. You guys don't, but I do because I cut off my junk. Um, Biggest winner, uh, very obviously, Garrett Bradbury. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, so rookie of the year should be decided after the postseason because now Bradbury might get the postseason rookie of the year. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's winning. 
He's, uh, he's had sorry. better postseason than AJ Brown, by the way. He did have more catches today. No, they have the same amount of catches. AJ Brown okay. had nine yards. Expectation wise, he's dominated. Though. <laughs> yeah. He had more catches than Miles Boykin. Neither, um, n- neither, neither. He's not going to win offensive rookie of the year either. All postseason offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> Yes. Probably not going to Miles Boykin. My big winner, Arthur Smith. Look, I we cannot apologize enough to Arthur Smith. I re- well, let's just he, wait. Let's let this play out. He made no, 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 no. He's in the AFC Championship game. This is. We were we were thinking we were thinking that like this might be the worst offense in football because it's captained by like the guy who's like the fe- the ne- by the way, big win for nepotism. Arthur Smith and Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> and our defense, real quick, Brinson, I do want to defend us, and, uh, is that we had that conversation when Mariota was still the quarterback. That's when we originally started it. And so someone we in that work preseason. Well, we had it twice because we also brought it up again, and then we brought it up a third time to apologize. But two times we dunked on him. So it was when Mariota was still quarterback, and our question the second time was, Who's in charge of keeping Mariota as quarterback? Why, why wasn't Tannehill put in sooner? Because that's on someone. You got to put that on Vrabel or Arthur Smith that, hey, you had somebody who was, somebody who was clear on the bench and not playing him. Uh, anyway, yeah, I agree. Arthur Smith's the winner though. Uh, and by the way, it was a 32 point, a 32 point PowerPoint. So a 32 <laughs> slide PowerPoint that Kyle Shanahan presented to the Browns. They're like, okay, this is weird. Just get out of here. Yeah, it's uh, like, this guy's a lunatic. We got to get him out. Yeah. Uh, and my biggest loser, analytics. <laughs> That's tough, fair. No, 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 no. Dave Gettleman is going to wake up tomorrow and he's going to look at the box score and he is going to see that Ryan Tannehill passed for 88 yards and Derrick Henry ran for 195 and the Titans thumped the analytic heavy Baltimore Ravens and he's going to just prance around. His you know what, kitchen and a giant pair of tidy whities drinking some coffee, enjoying life. And Our buddy Jared Dubin took it a step further. He said he will draft another running back with the number four pick to pair <laughs> along with Saquon Barkley. He's going to be so excited. What if the Titans don't sign Derrick Henry? Does that work? That's, that, by the way, that will be an interesting offseason conversation because I think despite what he's doing, there are going to be some people who think he's still not worth the money. I mean, well, we let me ask you this. March, well, Tannehill's a free agent too. They gotta do both. They're gonna tag him, I think. Although, well, here, let me ask a question. Did not to just we do it quickly, but is he gonna get more than Zeke Elliott? Because I don't think I'm paying him that much. I think they I tag and franchise, or franchise and transition, because they can use both tags this off season. Ooh, that's I don't can you I don't know if you can use both. Yeah, you can. Just you sure. Just this year. Because it's the final year of the CBA, oh, unless that's right, right, right. unless that's, that's 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 spicy that they can just do it this year. No, hey, yeah, they Mike can. Vrabel's I was, was going to say unless they agree to a new one, but I think no matter what, they can. Mike Vrabel's the same guy doing the the crazy uh, kill the clock play, so he knows all about everything. So maybe that's that's, <laughs> that's right. Hey, Mike, what do you think about the CBA rule that allows you? I, we just yeah. he, like hey, Mike Vrabel knows Kirk Cousins' contract details. He knows everything. So do would you? We can talk about this at a later point in time and Devo's going to murder me, but like, would you tag, I guess you franchise tag Tannehill and transition tag Henry and just see if, see if anybody matches. And then you match it unless it's crazy. If you're Derrick Henry, you can't take anything less than Zeke Elliott. I don't maybe think you're going after Zeke money. Why not? He's just led the league in rushing and he's like shattering every record in the playoffs. What should he ask for? Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell had 250 rushing yards this year. 
That's an well, exaggeration, but he wasn't great. Well, wait till he gets freed from Adam Gates, and he's going to lead someone to the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> yeah, he'll be the, the leading quarterback of a Super Bowl team. Yeah, he um, could have been the Steelers quarterback if he wasn't so selfish. But like, <laughs> but like, if you, I mean, just if you did the replacement level thing, like if you took Derrick Henry off the Titans and put Deion Lewis as a starting running back, they would suck. Yeah, yeah, they would, they would, they would be worse than the Steelers. The Steelers would have had rightfully been the eight number six seed. Uh, and I will say that was the worst take I saw tonight. Was similar to that. Somebody was like. Well, whispers uses the asterisk. Yeah. This is me whispering. Uh, if Marcus Mariota was still the quarterback, this team would still be in the AFC championship. And I was like, that is literal. And it was, it was a radio guy who worked. I don't, I, I, I I'm going to find it. I don't remember That's who it was, right but it was somebody who works for an oh. a- actual radio station in a big city. And I was like, that's literally the worst take I've read on Twitter in like five years. And, and there are a lot of bad takes on Twitter. Hey, Clay Travis just called and said that was a bad take. <laughs> Ooh, fun fact. Um, I think I found it. Is it, uh, Jeremy Tashi? What does it say? Uh, seven sports extra, former intern around the horn, maybe? That sounds Whoa. right. What, what does the tweet say? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what first, I if Marcus Murray was a QB, the score would be the same. Everyone really needs to get over the Tannehill aspect, man. Ooh, see that's. Uh, but then right below it is Peter Bukowski saying, "Whispers, Marcus Mariota is better than Jameis Winston." I'm based on what? You hate to see it. Oh, that's a whole he's, tough conversation. He's <laughs> from 2016. 2016. Wait, this is from 2016. It's just the first thing that shows up if you Google "Whispers, Marcus Mariota." Oh, I thought you were saying that. Okay. No. Uh, Debo is typing, please shut up and end the podcast. Well, do we have a discussion about Marcus Mariota versus Jameis Winston? Ooh. Impromptu emergency <laughs> Jameis Winston pod? Debo, should we do it? We should end with a guess on how, how much, we should end with a guess on how much Derrick Henry makes. Okay. Zeke makes 15 million per year on average. 15.1. I'll go 14. 15. Sean's 15. What? 15. 15. He gets Zeke money. Um, and I think they tag Tannehill. Yeah, they'll tag Tannehill and pay. I think they'll pay him. Um, it, all right, let's get, out of, let's get out of this. This podcast is way too long. Nobody's got time to listen to it in the morning. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow when we recap the second round of playoffs. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.